my name's Todd. Mrs. Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Pop Culturing, brought to you by Zen Parenting Radio, yes. amongst other things that we have cooking. Um, this is our fifth or our sixth time doing this, maybe. And uh, we're doing a movie called Swingers from 1996. I don't want you to be the guy in the PG-13 movie everyone's really hoping makes it happen. I want you to be like the guy in the rated R movie. You're a bad man. You're a bad man. You're a bad Sweetie, I want to be the guy in the rated R movie. You want to be the guy behind the guy behind the guy. That's right. Um, so I, so we, there's so many movies that we could choose. And the fact that this happens to be our fifth choice, what compelled you to say that this might be a good idea? Well, I think the reason you and I are choosing this is because this movie meant something to us when it came out. We are their age. Yes. Okay. Pretty much. Yeah, exactly. 1996. Yeah. yeah. Vince Vaughn is a year older than me, Got two it. years older than you. And I'm assuming John Favreau is about around the that. same thing. So this was 1996 when this movie came out. And you and I were not dating at the time. But I remember when we did start dating, we both talked about that this movie had an impact on us. Well, I remember my buddy Casey said, Have you seen it? Have you seen it? And then a bunch of my other buddies are like, Have you seen it? Have you seen it? And I, I think it took me a, year, a few years. Oh, it did. Okay. You saw it in the theater. I saw it in the theater. It was at the Three Penny Cinema in Chicago. There aren't many people that saw this in the theater. It did I know. not do well at all. Well, my girlfriend, Laura, who lived a few doors down from me, she and I were, you know, we'd go to movies all the time. And she said, I heard about this movie. We have to go. And like I said, it wasn't playing at one of the major theaters. Sure. It was just playing at this little thing. And we, I went in with no, I, I would go to independent movies occasionally, but I went in with no expectation. And that's what was so cool because mm. I'm like this is really good yeah. it was very challenging to watch and very rewarding why was it challenging uh, oh my gosh there's so many uncomfortable scenes in this movie and there is so See, I many I thought you were going to go with the misogyny the objectification of women no because that's more now like mm-hmm. that's about how it's how it like it's aged you yeah. know what I mean because in while I was watching it, it was 1996. It was normal. It was very typical, maybe a little over Horny the top. Horny guys going out trying to pick up women. That's what I mean is like that's where we were yeah. in our life. So even though I didn't really know anybody who spoke like uh, Trent, sure. um, I th- this was not uncommon in mm. our world. So I think not only was the movie good and it became a cult classic, but you and I saw it yeah. before it became a cult classic. So uh, John Favreau, who wrote it, um, he... He did not direct it. Some other guy directed it. Doug Lyman. They had a really hard time getting the movie made mm-hmm. because they didn't have any money and nobody knew who Vince Vaughn was and nobody knew who John Favreau was. John Favreau met Vince Vaughn on the set of Rudy. 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 So Vince Vaughn was one of the football players in Rudy and John Favreau was Rudy's best friend. Yeah. Or like, I think he was like a teacher's aide or something like that. Or was he just a fellow student? It was his good student? friend. Yeah, I was... mean, I think he graduated before Rudy because if I remember correctly, he came back to yeah. see Rudy's game because right. he had a girlfriend yes, and everything. Did. Remember? So, um, and John Favreau was kind of a big deal when he got Rudy and then he moved to California thinking, oh, this will be easy. And he realized it's not as easy. So he decided to take... Um, matters into his own hands and so he re- he wrote this in two weeks well and it, it probably because it's autobiographical yeah right yeah. yeah he basically yeah he based the movie off of his experiences and i think it was even at the suggestion of vince vaughn like you i think he's like you we should write a movie or you should write a movie just about what our lives are like yeah and he just kind of went to work and he he did it and a week and a half 
Yeah, and um, but no. So I saw it. Um, I think in the in the uh, on video, like Blockbuster or something oh, okay. like that. Back oh, in the old days when we used to we used to rent uh, VHS tapes. Remember everybody going into Blockbuster and walking around and looking at all the movies. I I even remember when JC was a little girl, like mm. my oldest who's sixteen, like taking her into Blockbusters and being like, "You can't go down this row," or her just seeing certain boxes that had horrifying pictures I, on them. I remember being in old school video stores and they used to have like that back room with the curtain, totally, which was, was all the porn. Yeah. section. Uh-huh. That's so crazy. But I Blockbuster know. didn't have a porn section, did they? I don't even remember. Yeah, I feel like they're too mainstream for I that. just remember it going from like, there were like mom and pop, you know, video stores. Mm-hmm. And then it just all of a sudden, like, you know, corporations got involved or Blockbuster, the yeah. big organizations. And then the mom and pops went away. And eventually I remember when in Elmhurst, where we live, when the last Blockbuster closed. So yeah, if you're a betting person and you're like, well, who, what company is going to be bigger, you know, in 1996, uh, Blockbuster or this thing <laughs> called Netflix? I know. And we thought, I remember seeing the first Netflix like machine, yeah. you know, kiosk outside yeah. of a jewel and being like, who's going to do that. I really was so judgmental. Well, did Netflix, I thought it was just the mail order thing for Netflix. Maybe it was mail order. But I think then, you're thinking of Redbox. Oh, Redbox. And even that yeah. did all right. But you're right. That wasn't Netflix. Yeah. I'm I'm missing, I'm confusing the two. But we did do Netflix for a while, but even that was a pain in the butt. Yeah. You know, and I'm yeah. like, how are they going to sustain? And they figured it out. They sure did. And Redbox, we still use Redbox when we go on road trips. For sure. Because they're nice to stop at yes. when you're in the middle of Alabama on your way to it sure Florida. Is. Yes, it's wonderful. Yes. Um, so um, when I was doing a little research on this movie, um, the director Lyman or Doug Lyman, Doug Lyman, mm-hmm. um, he originally was like, "Oh, this is just a story about a guy breaking up with his girlfriend," and then he's like, "You know what? That's not what this movie's about. This movie is about friendship, about guy friends." For sure. Um, so, and that's what I think connected me to the movie. You know, the the bottom line is, why did I like this movie so much. It's because it's funny and it's because the lines and the Vegas baby Vegas and everything else. But there's also some depth to it as well. Well, and this is why I was surprised in the theater. I can remember saying to Laura when we left, those guys were really friends. Mm -hmm. And this is what I meant by that. Very, this was like one of those movies, and and I'm sure that there were plenty more around this time, and I know they're very common now, where people actually had many sides to them. Mm -hmm. Like, let's talk about Trent uh, T, uh, Vince Vaughn's character. Like, you know, you can say a lot of bad things about him. He was a bit of, you know, his language was very... um, there was some misogyny in there and some things that weren't very kind and some, you know, and sometimes he was a pain in the butt and he was difficult, but he also cared. And so what you, you saw a character that felt a little more full bodied, like, Oh, they were really friends. Like even there's a scene. um, I want to play the introduction of Trent on the phone. So Mikey (laughs) gets to his apartment and when you say it's too long, just give me this. I will. I will. Because it is a long scene. So. Look, we're going to spend half the night driving around the hills looking for this one party, and you're going to say it sucks, and we're all going to leave, and then we're going to go look for this other party. But all the parties and all the bars, they all suck. I spent half the night talking to some girl who's looking around the room to see if there's somebody else who's more important she should be talking to. And it's like I'm supposed to be all happy because uh, she's wearing a backpack. I- you know, and half of them are just nasty skanks who uh, wouldn't be nothing except they're surrounded by a bunch of drunken, horny assholes. And I'm going to tell you something, T. Are you listening? Yeah, I'm listening. I'm not going to be one of those assholes, all right? 
It just makes me sick. It's like uh, some nasty skank who isn't half the woman my girlfriend is is going to front me. It makes me want to fucking puke. Jesus Christ, will you <laughs> shut up for a minute? We got to get you the fuck out of Dodge, man. We're going to Vegas tonight. What are you talking about, Vegas? Vegas, baby, Vegas. What do you mean, Vegas? Vegas, Las Vegas. I'm not going to no Vegas. Yeah, I think, you know what, man? Uh, we're we're going to go to Vegas and... Uh, when gonna, are we going to Vegas? We're going tonight. No, we're not going tonight. I'm, I'm not going to Vegas. Listen to me. No, you listen to me. I'm not going, okay? okay. And not, none of this shit anymore. Listen, I just listen to you. Now hear me out. You bring something nice to wear. <laughs> it's the best. It's a perfect Trent thing to say. Oh, T. And what's cool about that is you don't, uh, you don't even know what... Uh, Trent looks like yet. You don't even know till they're in the car. Yes. Like when they in the next scene when they go to them in the car, they focus on Mikey, who yes. is John Favreau, for a long time before they show you Trent. Yeah. And um, but that phone call is a great. That is a great intro because first of all, he it, like there's so many pieces that he does listen to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Like, he, he lets him talk. Right. And then he also changes gears because originally in the beginning, I don't know how much of that you played, but at the beginning of that phone conversation, he's saying, we're going to go out, we're going to do the regular right. things we do. Right. And then he switches gears. Mm-hmm. And actually, if I remember correctly, he says at the beginning that he has a call back in the morning. He's got a call, call back in the morning, but there was two parties that night. Right. So in a moment's notice, yeah, like this moment. is the definition of being 25. Exactly. In a moment's notice, he's like... I'm forget about my callback. I don't care about that. Forget about these two parties. We're going to Vegas. We're going to Vegas. And you know what? It's a nice scene. And I'm sure this is why it was written this way for Mikey to set up what their lives are like, Mm -hmm. because really everything he says there, and this is toward the beginning of the movie, um, they demonstrate throughout the movie. So what he says about them showing up and then they'll say this place, you know, the other guy says this place is dead anyway. You know, they keep leaving parties. Nothing's good enough. And I I remember in the movie, I remember specifically having a laugh about because they're wearing a backpack Mm -hmm. because that's when little backpacks were in. Right. And that was funny, but I don't remember why that was funny. Because girls were wearing little backpacks. Because that's what was big at the time. I used to have have this, if my girlfriends are listening to this, they're going to laugh so hard because I used to have this like knit black backpack. Is that the one that you had like the, the elbow, elbow on? on? Exactly. I had, Wasn't you that know, just a purse that you'd wear on your back? Yes, but they're little backpacks. Got and it. so that's what was in. And what's funny about it is I always think about that purse and the little Elmo because it was a little tickle me Elmo and yeah. you'd squeeze it and it would laugh and it yeah. made me laugh. Yeah. But like whenever, like now kids who are going to school have backpacks and they have things hanging off of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's exactly what I did. And my friends, I mean, they knew me. They knew that I was just being weird and quirky, but the, it was like a joke, yeah. you know, like nice, nice right. purse, grown up woman. Right. Um, but yeah, so when he said that, that is exactly what we were doing. Well, and the reason I like that scene where like he, Trent is listening and he's like, Jesus Christ, will you shut, shut up? up. <laughs> like it's such, like the way guys talk to each yes, other, they yes. like encapsulate that beautiful and one thing that threw me off was he would refer to mike as gorgeous uh-huh and i just that was one thing that was foreign to me like as you know as much as i relate to everything that the how these guys talk to one another relate to one another gorgeous was just an interesting way to talk to a, br- a buddy about right it. like that's just an interesting word that he chose well and let's talk this through a little bit because this is really interesting because we know that john favreau wrote this with uh with vince vaughn in mind because they were friends as you already said and vince vaughn was in la but vince vaughn is actually he grew up very close to you and i he yes. grew up in lake forest and so he's a midwestern guy mm-hmm. um so i want to say well that's how they talk in la 
Right. Or maybe that's where they talk. But we are from Chicago and people don't call each other gorgeous. No. They maybe do now because yeah. Vince Vaughn did. Right. Um, but he, he, it's like he had his own language. Yeah. You know what I mean? And thus the movie, like a lot of things. I read something about that the the producers of the movie wanted to take out Honey Baby's, mm-hmm. um, you know, money. Yeah. A lot of the things that he said just to mainstream his language and they wouldn't do it. And if they did, it would have been a worse movie. Totally. Yeah. Because part of what, here's the thing, you could tell it wasn't scripted for him because it flew, It it he spoke it so naturally right. that maybe it was scripted you know, somewhat, but you could tell that's the way he talked. Right. So it, it didn't, it wasn't forced. Well, and you know, I was going to save this, but like it's, there's obvious examples of toxic masculinity. Of in course. This movie yeah. Of guys just objectifying women and beautiful you know, babies, beautiful babies. And when Trent like tears up the girl's phone number, like basically right in front of her, like so cruel, yeah. just, just mean. Right. Well, at the same time, there's examples of, you know, there's <laughs> at the beginning of the movie where Trent uh, and Mike, pick up on those two girls in the trailer. They Christy. go back to the trailer after at, after the casino. Yeah. And like he's starting to hook up with the with the girl and he stops in the middle. Right. To check on and he's like, let me check on my boy. But he does that for his friend. He doesn't do that because of Christy. He like does that for his friend. Right. I know, but you're you're trying to say there that there's scene I thought you were saying that like they're misogynistic at certain times, but then he's not at other times. But really, that has nothing. No, to do I'm just with saying her. he's stopping to check on his buddy. Right, and I and this is exactly why this was kind of new when mm. we saw it because again, a very well-rounded person mm. who obviously was saying the whole night we're gonna get laid, yeah. and then has the opportunity, but then worries about his friend more. Right, um, but he also says afterwards when they pull over. And Mikey says, I'm sorry that mm-hmm. I, you know, walked in on you guys or broke that up or whatever, because Andy's the phone. And Trent is like, well, I didn't like her that much anyway. Yeah, like, honestly, I didn't really like her. I didn't like her. So that's when the, the Vince, uh, Trent's car is on the side of the road. And I told you about this, but I'll yeah. say it anyways, that the scene where they're talking on the side of the road, you know, the movie had no money. So they filmed that scene without a permit. And during filming, several police showed up and demanded to see one. And the <laughs> assistant director held up the police by telling them that they had a permit. And it was in the office across town several miles away. And to uh, to get away with filming the rest of the scene, uh, the director pretended that he was not filming and didn't even look into the viewfinder <laughs> and used a microphone inside the car instead of a boom. And so most of the scene was filmed with the police just outside of the shot. Oh my gosh. And the police didn't know that the movie was being filmed in that moment. Well, you know, it's interesting that you say that because it's a very loud scene. Mm-hmm. Now, in, in no way did I know any of that information, but you can, the cars are so loud, loud. in that scene. I know, you could tell it was not set up for sound very exactly. well. Exactly, like they're kind of having to yell mm-hmm. and talk to each other. But that is my favorite friendship scene in the movie when they're talking, because actually I think that's a scene where Mikey says, you're a good friend Mm -hmm. because basically he's, and again, this is why I think people love the movie is he's, you know, he's saying you're so money and you don't even know it, but really he is saying, Mike, like open your eyes to who you are and how you're doing. Sweetie, to that end, this is the big bear scene. Okay, let's hear it. That digits, baby. Yeah, what a surprise. What's wrong? I was only talking to the beautiful brunette baby. Look, she didn't like me, okay? I'm gonna fool of myself. Baby, don't talk that way. But you're right? so you're so money and you don't even know it. That's what I keep trying to tell you. So money. Could you, you not mess know. with me right now? Baby, we're not we're messing. We're not. Me. Don't you are you like a big bear with 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 claws and with fangs? Man. Big fucking teeth, yeah, man. Fucking teeth on you. She's just like this little bunny. 
who's just kind of cowering in the corner. Shivering? Yeah, man, just kind of, you, you know, you got these claws and you're staring at these claws, man, and you're thinking to yourself with these claws, you're thinking, man, how am I supposed to kill this bunny? And you're how am I supposed to kill this bunny? Yeah, you're not hurting it. You're just kind of gently batting the bunny around. You know what I mean? And the bunny's scared, Mike. The bunny's scared of you. The bunny's scared. The bunny's scared. You're like a big bear, man. I love that scene because he and Sue, Sue is Patrick Van Horn's character, they go back and forth. Like, it's a really great, it doesn't, it feels very real. I'm I'm sure they had to figure that out, how to do that, but it's a really great scene. And on that note, going back to what you said about Doug Lyman decided this was a movie about friendship. Yeah. Did you, I read something about how really it was a triangle. Mm, I didn't read that. It was about how um, Trent and Sue were really good friends. Mm-hmm. And then Mikey Showed comes up. into the mix. And then Mikey and Trent become really good friends. And there are some signs and scenes that Sue is a little threatened by that. Right. Well, and, and so, then there's the gun scene. Right. And where he gets an opportunity to unload yeah. on Mikey. Well, I read this. The scene in which Trent angrily yells at Sue after Sue insulted Mike yes. was written specifically at Vince Vaughn's request. Vaughn wanted to show that beneath Trent's bravado and swagger, he truly cared for Mike as a friend. And I think, and I appreciate that Vince Vaughn said that and did that in the scene, but that came through mm-hmm. in like five different scenes. Yes, it was just reinforcing what, yeah, I agree with you. And and he, and I think Sue felt... Uh, you know, and again, I, I, Todd, you would have to speak to this more, you know, to get this is more of a guy culture thing, but like, do guys get jealous of other guys' friends? Like if you have a um, group of guy friends. I'm not saying no, I'm not saying no, but I can't remember doing that. I can't, I can't remember so, being jealous that another guy came in, you know, it would suck if the guy didn't fit the dynamic, but as long as he fits more, the merrier. So like you have your best friends from high school because sure. they're still some of your best friends. Yeah. And then you introduce them to your college friends yeah. and then they start to have a friendship outside of you. Yeah. And that wasn't a I problem. Oh, yeah, you loved like, it. Okay. Yeah. My friend Marty and Brian who went to different colleges talk on the phone. And the only reason they know each other is because I introduced right. them. So no, I, that, that, that for me, in my experience, that never happened. And maybe it was because your group was so big. Awesome. It was, it was, well, it was interesting. Actually, it's funny to even bring this up because in this time period, mm-hmm. probably more like 96, 97, when Todd, no, we started to date in 97, 98. And when Todd and I started to date, and there was, I lived with three girls at the time, or uh, I had three really close friends, and we all decided to go on a date. Like mm-hmm. it was the oh, that's four right. of us. I remember that night. It was like a quadruple date. Yeah. And we went out and we went to this bar, and then we got to this bar, and all of Todd's friends showed up. And yeah, I was like, and really? And I think I told them that I was going. You there. did. And then we were trying to continue the date, and my idiot friends were like screaming my correct, name. Correct. Correct. That was, that was, a very naive boyfriend move. Right. And and it was... And I didn't know any better. I know. And that's I'm the such thing. such an idiot. It was a shift for yeah. us because it was like, I went to college... Your friends are my friends. Like, right. we all went to college together, so I know them too. But it was a different night. It was a different night. It was date night. night. Exactly. Keep your buddies away from date night. That's the <laughs> bottom line. If we, the people listening to the show don't know that by now, then that could be... That could be a struggle. That's right. Um, so also just one side note before we get off of Sue. Um, and if you remember why he was named Sue. Uh, well, because his dad was a Johnny Cash 
fan. Right. right? And it's interesting. It's perfect for his character because he was a tough guy. Mm -hmm. And just the fact that his dad would name him Sue to toughen him up gives you like understanding of why he is who he is. Because that whole gun scene, he's carrying a gun and Vince Vaughn says, you grew up. He in Anaheim. In Anaheim. Right. Like you didn't he's like, grow up. It's not up. like you live in Compton. Right. You know, he's like, you grew up in Anaheim. So, but he still felt the need to demonstrate his toughness. Right. Um, but oh, there's one other scene about Sue. After uh, Sue says some kind of really hurtful things towards Mike, they, they're they playing the, the n- hockey. Nintendo hockey mm-hmm. again. And Sue, in a very vulnerable way, says, you know, dude, sorry, I was totally out of line. Yes. And Mikey's like, you know what? I kind of needed a kick in the ass anyways. So, And we're was, better friends for it. Yeah. And it was just a very authentic moment uh, between these two guys. So you think like, oh, they're just drunken, horny dudes. Yes. And, you know, they they can own own up to their own misbehavior with and each other. They both, you're right. It's a good scene because Sue first apologizes. Mikey said, I needed the kick in the ass. Then Sue says... Um, you know, or I think Mikey says we're better friends for it. And then Sue continues on and said, I've been kicking myself every mm-hmm. day since then. Yeah. It's really, and again, this is why this movie was different. Yeah. I really can't, I remember being like, these are human beings versus there's so many movies that are cookie cutter people. Well, the other best part of that was, you know, Sue pulls a gun on a bunch of gonna yeah. guys and then Mikey is gone for a few days because he kind of falls into his spiral his of shame, hole, which is yeah. what he does. And then Mikey comes back and he sees all these guys that Sue pulled the gun on are playing hockey with Trent right. and everybody. And Sue's just like, they love T. They you know, T is the alpha in this group. Obviously, he's by far the most charismatic. And what's interesting is how the movie ends. You know, you don't, just don't go there yet. Okay. Yeah, let's wait until because okay. we kind of have to talk about all these things to get to the end. Okay. But yeah, that's the thing is the majority of the movie is demonstrating how Mikey feels so horrible about mm-hmm. himself, how Trent is trying to build him up and how he is the alpha, no doubt. Yeah. And even, you know, I have heard uh, heard this about Vince Vaughn. First of all, another s- story about Vince Vaughn is that he, like I said, he's from Lake Forest and my friend Amy Connell went to homecoming with him. That's right. Yeah. She's probably still good buds with him. No, they're still, they're not good buds, but she does have the picture of she and Vince Vaughn and she pulls it out occasionally. Yes, why not? And he looked very different in high school. But what I do know about him from people who know him and, you know, just his picture is he is so tall. Like he is like, and you could tell in one scene when they're walking in Mm -hmm. the Dresden, Mm -hmm. I think at the end, where he like- Towers. Towers over John Favreau and Sue. And they're tall guys too. Yeah. So he's just like a really, really tall guy. I read a an article and they interviewed everybody. The only guy that didn't want to be interviewed was Sue. Yeah, he hasn't done much. No, I don't think he... I think he stopped. And apparently... I also read that like he was not into acting to become famous. And obviously Vince Vaughn and John Favreau, I don't know what their intention was, but obviously they became famous. Yeah. And I think Sue's just like, this is not what I want to be doing. Interesting. Because he was good. He was good in that movie. So in Manisha, my friend Manisha was over last night and um, we were talking about how Manisha and I went to LA in 97 and we, she had to go for work. And so I went with her and we like rented a convertible and we drove around and we had the best time. And we went out to dinner the first night and he walked in. Patrick oh, really? Van Horn. Yeah. He walked in with his girlfriend and I was like, oh my God, that's Sue from Swingers. And I can't remember if Manisha knew who he was, mm-hmm. but I remember saying to her, and again, this goes with the Vince Vaughn thing. He's so tall. Yeah. Like that's not how you perceive 
perceive people on the, you know, the screen. Right. Like he was so tall and he had a smoke coming out of his mouth. Did I he? remember that. And he had the long chain thing. They all did. And I don't, I've never understood the whole long chain fashion statement. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think part of the, this movie was to demonstrate old LA. Like, and so those were- the, Yeah, it was like a, it was a, a throwback. A throwback movie. Yeah. You know, the whole Sinatra Vegas thing yes. and all that stuff. So I think the chains were a demonstration of kind of an old way of dressing. Well, yeah. And, you know, at the, the last, you know, big scene of the movie when Heather Graham and John Favreau yes. are dancing, there's that like swing, swing band. Swing music all through it, all right. through the movie. But I think- People would get dressed up. I remember I went to I went to a Squirrel Nut Zippers yeah, concert yeah. one time, and I just dressed in my whatever my grunge Kurt Cobain T-shirts. Mm -hmm. But there were people that got dressed up and they had the long chain things. So, Absolutely, and know. and the girls' hair, like even Heather Graham's hair at the end, it's yeah. like curled, kind of like from the twenties, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. and. Something I remember reading, it was in a Rolling Stone article about swingers. It, it was probably like 10 years ago because it was about how it was 20 years old. Yeah. Um, so so maybe it's a couple years. It doesn't matter. But they were talking about how L.A., that was like on the cusp of L.A. changing so much. Mm. Like a lot of the places that they filmed this movie. Yeah. And again, like you said, they didn't have any money. They just basically went in and filmed without yeah, they didn't close Yeah, the, they didn't close the bar down. They're, the people that are in the bar are not extras. They right. happen to be at the bar that night, same as the house party they were at towards the beginning of the movie. They just had the camera come in with them. Yeah. But a lot of those places are no longer there. Mm. That it was like right before the big turnover of mm. L.A. Before it became like, you know, it, when you're – I remember – again because you and I were living in Chicago at the time and we had our own social life of certain bars we went to. But when I saw this movie, I was like, would I ever go to a nightclub inside of like a Best Western? Mm -hmm. Like, would I ever go in the back alley? You know, it's kind of a... Um, they really demonstrate something that I think was really happening. And I don't think that's the case anymore. Mm. I, you know. Sweetie, we didn't talk about uh, at all Ron Livingston yet. I know. Or Heather Graham. Well, we talked a little bit about one, Heather Graham. One of my favorite lines from Ron Livingston, he's like, so let me get this straight. The party started at eight. Why are we going to a bar at 10? <laughs> I think that's hilarious. Well, and Ron Livingston's character in this movie is so good because he is like, so it's almost like Trent and Sue have been in LA for a long time. Yeah. Mikey's been there for what, six months? Right. And he's doing okay. That's yeah. something interesting about Mikey's character too, is two things that are interesting and they're kind of contradictory. One is that he's a comedian mm. and he's so not funny in the mm. movie. So that's kind of, right. you're, you're like, this doesn't make any sense. This guy really? Like T should, Trent should be the comedian. Right. And he's an actor. Yeah. And, he's a or, producer, sweetie. <laughs> he says he's a producer. So Mikey's a comedian and he's not funny, but they also make a point of saying, Ron Livingston's character. What is his name in the movie? Ron Livingston's um, character. I'll tell you in a second. Tell me in a second. Um, but then Rob. Rob, thank you. So Rob and Trent and Sue make a point of saying to Mikey, you're actually doing pretty well. Mm -hmm. You have representation. You do open mic night on Monday night. So it's like demonstrates that the character can only experience uh like glass half empty. Right. Like he's not seeing what he's doing. So Rob, Ron Livingston's character, he moves to LA because Mikey is doing well. Right. They're friends from high school and he moves there and he he has just been doing Hamlet right. in New York mm -hmm. and it done really well. So he's like, I'm gonna move to LA. Now, and now he's goofy. Now the best thing he can get is goofy. But then he loses goofy. 
Yes. Doesn't he, he doesn't lose even Goofy? get that. They went for somebody more something. Yeah. Or whatever. Um, I just need to play the hockey scene. Go ahead. Kings suck in this game. We should play another team. I took the Kings to the cup. Yeah, against the computer with the offsides. They're off. a finesse team. Bro. They're a fucking bitch team. Score! Oh! <laughs> bitch! What a fucking bitch! Watch out, no, motherfucker. Do not fucking really? hit my elbow. It's not even so much me as it's Ronick. He's good. Oh, is that right? Kelly O steals Zeronic. You bitch! Score Chicago! Fuck, oh man. my god. Oh! That was Such fucking bullshit! But that was pretty, Sue. Check this out on the instant replay. Dude, do not. You said it was fucking bullshit. Dude, Check it out. Look at it. Look at it. Look at it. Yes, it's a great shot. If you weren't playing this, look at it. Look at it. Come on. Why do you think they put the instant replay in the fucking game? Oh, man. Do you hear the whistle? Like, because he keeps replaying and replaying it? He's antagonistic. And has antagonistic Trent. But he's also the alpha like he's the leader he's so funny well that's his power right he's an antagonist and that's a great like he again vince vaughn being from chicago jeremy roenick was on the hawks yeah and he was beloved mm -hmm. um and you know just a chicago shout well, it's out just such very subtle things like when he talks about taking the kings to the cup like there's a playoff system within the game yeah and he's like with the offsides off like nobody not many would pick up on that but the game is easier to win if there's no offsides you, so you could set the game to either call a penalty or not. And, you know, it's just so funny. Only guys that really understood the game would pick up on that. Can you really make their heads bleed? Uh, yeah. And actually, uh, when I read an article on it, it said that was the hardest shot to get because they were sitting there in the control room and none of them could do it. So then they called up um, John Favreau saying we can't get Gretzky's head, <laughs> head to, bleed. to bleed. And then they got Vince Vaughn and he's the one that came in and did it. Really? Yeah, but it took Vince like Vaughn four does hours. it anyway. I, well, I know, but Vince, but they didn't get that <gasps> shot it. in the like apartment. That's like B-roll. That's yeah, like, like a B-roll. Okay. So anyways. Oh my God, that's so funny. Yeah. Um, because yeah, he made his head bleed. And he our sure girls, um, we were re-watching this about a week ago or something. And one of our daughters came in during that scene and could not believe that was a video game. Mm -hmm. She's like, you can't even and, see and that. And that was a great video a game. A great video game. We loved game. it. Um, so we're going to go to best quotes. All right, let's do it. Um, these are my <laughs> nominations. I'm going to make Gretzky, Gretzky's head bleed for super fan number 99 over here. Because you still say that quote all the time. I probably do. Vegas, baby, Vegas. Uh, when you think of um, this movie, that's probably the first thing you think. Uh, the one that I said, let me get this straight. Party starts at 8. We're going to go to a bar at 10. Um, <laughs> our little baby's all grown up, which is and one of my And grown up and grown up. And if you want, I can play up. that scene for you, sweetie. Uh, the one guy saying, this place is dead anyway. And what's funny about that is it's a jam-packed party yes. or a jam-packed bar. And he keeps on saying, this place is dead anyway. Um, you're like a big bear and you're so money and you don't even know it. Any other nominations? For yes, you? my favorite. And I'm trying to look up the exact um, I can help quote. you. Just give me a... It's, uh, it's where Rob says to him, um, uh, talks to him about missing the pain. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That's like a long, deep speech. But he actually says, um, I can't, I can't I can't get no it. satisfaction. How did you get over it? Okay, so this is it. I found it. Rob says, 
sometimes because Rob is saying he also had a girlfriend, had a girlfriend that he broke she up broke with. up with him, yeah right. and he's and so you know Mikey says how'd you get over it he says I don't know sometimes it still hurts I don't know man it's like you wake up every day and it hurts a little less and then you wake up one day and it doesn't hurt at all and mm-hmm. it's like and this might sound weird but it's like you almost miss that pain mm-hmm. and I have written and he's like why would you miss it right and he's like I think he says for the same reason you miss her because you lived with it for so long there you go that's a beautiful and I think we can all understand that I the other uh, podcast that Todd and I do Zen Parenting Radio we actually did like a full show about that um, maybe not called that I can't remember which one it was but we talked about how powerful that mm. dialogue is in Swingers mm. and I wrote about it just about how it was actually in regards to my dad when my dad passed away because he had been sick for so long yeah. that you had kind of gotten used to a certain kind of like normalcy. Yeah. And even though it was a painful normalcy, a normalcy, you could count on it. Yep. And then when you can't feel that anymore, it's like a part of you is gone. Yeah. And that's just a really, and he also, Rob also has another great quote. Rob's kind of like the heart, even though he's not in he's, it a he's lot. He's got the wisdom. He's He's got the most wisdom in the movie. Yeah, he he and Trent are like opposite friends. Yeah, and I can't even remember uh Ron Livingston and Vince Vaughn having a lot of direct They co- don't. communication with one another in the movie. Even though at they one point They go to the point, parties together in the beginning of the movie. Yeah, they go to the parties together and I remember at one point Mikey says, "I'm going to bring my friend from back home." And Trent says, "Oh, Rob." Yeah, you'll like him. And you'll like him. That's yeah. what he says to Sue. He says that to Sue. So there's kind of like a I'll vouch for him. Yeah. I I vetted him. He's yeah. a good guy. Um, but Rob also says, um, "Oh God, what's his other quote that I love?" Oh shoot. Sweetie, put I it in the vestibule. It. That happens. I lost it. So, um, there's only one obvious answer to this question, which is that what is the hardest scene in the movie to watch? <laughs> and I would even say that this is one of the hardest scene in, ever in any movie. Every and, and not like it, like in terms of movies that are violent and stuff, that's, that's difficult for a different reason. Mm-hmm. This is just one of the most uncomfortable scenes to sit through because you know, it's not going to end well. So it's, it's two minutes long. I'm not going to play the whole two minutes. How, how long do you think you can last through this without just cringing? Do, just do a few. Hi, uh, Nikki. This is Mike. I met you at the um, at the Dresden uh, tonight. Uh, I just called to, to say that I had a great time, and you should call me tomorrow or in uh, two two days, uh, whatever. Anyway, uh, my number is two one three five 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 four six seven nine. Hi, uh, Nikki. This is Mike again. I, I just called because it sounded like your, your machine might have cut me off when I when I uh, before I finished leaving my number. Anyway, uh, and you know, and also, um, sorry to call so late, but you were still at the Dresden when I left, so I knew I'd get your machine. Anyhow, uh, uh, my number is two one. <laughs> Can you bear it? Okay, no, and because I think he calls, he calls her four, four more, more times. times, and the very end he says, "This just isn't working. This isn't going to work out." Yeah. Now, what's funny about that first phone call is that 
if you remember when he and Nikki talk at the bar, it's really not a good conversation. Yeah. It's a very uncomfortable. Well, you don't, the, the first time they talk. Right. Okay. And he goes back, but it's not like. But we he, don't know what happens in that scene. We don't, but he says on the first message, I had a good time tonight. They mm. talked for a total of four minutes. Yeah. It's obviously not a good move to call that night. Right. Saying that, but he, it was a very awkward initial conversation. Right. And then Trent convinces him to go, to back, go back after the big bear speech. And you don't, you, you look like he, and he got, he got the digits. He did, but he was talking to her for one minute. Yeah. Like he obviously. But why would she give it if, Well, you I know? guess you're right. I mean, and I was just about to say, maybe she gave him the wrong number. And of course she didn't. Right. Because he got her. So you're right. Maybe she thought he was cute or whatever. But their initial conversation, because he ran into the situation with the girl who was a Dorothy, mm-hmm. who kept asking him who his representation was. Yes. That's in Vegas. And he, he gets... It's like so messed up because he's trying to lie. Yeah. But then Trent so easily says, I'm a producer. Mm-hmm. But anyway, because he gets into that situation with Nikki, he tries to lie yeah. again. And she's like, no, I think I saw you at Starbucks I know. getting an application. So my point is, is that they didn't have a good time. No. Like he's kind of like exaggerating even their first meeting. So you know, it's not going to go well. And then there's that long dialogue between when he should call back and both Trent and Sue are on the same page. Five days? Six days. Six days. Six days. Um, And then the junior to this scene is the scene where Mike had to interrupt T who was getting it on with the girl. Christy. Just just so he could call back, call his machine to see if his ex-girlfriend called. That happened before. Yeah, that happened earlier in the movie. So Mike and phones are kind of like a thing in this movie. And that in itself, like Todd, let's talk about, talk about a throwback. This was pre-cell phones. Mm -hmm. So nobody had cell phones. This is when we had to check our voicemail to see if anybody called. Now he had an old school answering machine, but I remember around this time having voicemail. And we would actually, sometimes we would give, Todd, think about this. Sometimes we would give our friends or guys we were dating, our voicemail password Mm -hmm. so they could listen to our voicemail and find out where we were. So we would say, we're going to call our own voicemail and tell you where we are. Here's our password. Listen to our messages. How invasive is that? Mm -hmm. That's ridiculous. Yeah. These, uh, well, you know, we had to get creative on how to see it. And I've said a million times, one of the most fun things at being, you know, just stumbling around bars while we're in college or in our 20s is the randomness of running into your friends. So random. Whereas now, kids these days know exactly where everybody is at all times. Literally. Like, do you know on Snapchat that there is, um, and again, you can do this on Find Friends if people allow you to follow them, yeah. but on Snapchat, you, if if you, you can ghost yourself where people won't know where you are, but if you don't, you can actually look at where your friends are on a map. everywhere oh. on a map. So like when we were on spring break in Florida, JC like pulled up her Snapchat and she knew all of her friends who were in Florida. Wow. I know. Like, so there is no secrecy anymore to where we are. No. And in, you know, and that even, okay. So one of the apps that's out there and you guys, or Todd and I have been married too long where we don't really know apps and how they work as far as dating apps. But your friend, Brian, he had an app when he came into Chicago that he was showing me where he, you actually can see people who are close by. Mm. So like we were at a bar, I think we were at Casey Moran's random enough in Wrigleyville. And he could see that there were girls that were connected to this app, like at the bar next door. So you can actually be like, hi, I'm next door. Mm -hmm. So it's not as if you're even swiping or deciding if you want to go on a date with them. It's much more 
um, immediate, if you know what I mean. Right. Like there are, you, yeah. if you want to hook up, there's somebody right next door. Sweetie, you know who wouldn't be happy about that? Who? Ron Swanson. Hey, bro! <laughs> Listen, I was trying to buy this handcrafted mahogany wood model of a B-25 Mitchell Panchito aircraft. Aw, for me? Don't sass me. And I went to this website and this ad popped up that said, hey, Ron Swanson, <laughs> check out this great offer. What's your question? My question is, what the hell? <laughs> like, how do they know who you are? Yeah. Okay. Um, there are these things called cookies, where, like, if you go to a site and buy something, it'll remember you and then create ads for other stuff you might want to buy. So it learns information about me? Seems like an invasion of privacy. Dude, if you think that's bad, go to Google Earth and type in your address. <laughs> Fast forward to Ron throwing his computer, computer away. in the dumpster. Is Ron Swanson one of your heroes? I love Ron Swanson. He and I are not necessarily that similar of people, but he sure is funny. Well, Ron Swanson, again, and for those of you who don't know, Ron Swanson's from Parks and Rec. He's not from Swingers. Um, but he is a good, he's a good throwback character for too. For sure. You yeah. know, he's like an old, you know, version of the, of masculinity. Yeah. Um, but he's also like these guys in swingers, he mm -hmm. has a huge heart mm -hmm. and he cares and he pretends he doesn't care, but he does. Yep. I love Ron Swanson. And one more Ron Swanson okay. quote, sweetie. This is a mistake. Why would you call it that on your menu? I don't know what to tell you, man. Just give me all the bacon and eggs you have. Wait, wait. I worry what you just heard was, give me a lot of bacon and eggs. What I said was, Give me all the bacon and eggs you have. Do you understand? Please and thank you, sweetie. He loves breakfast foods. Um, so let's talk about the, I might play a few other scenes, but let's talk about how this movie ends. Okay. So, um, and we'll, incorpor we'll incorporate a few things into this okay. discussion because the very end is, um, you know, spoiler alert, if you haven't watched this movie yet. They're not listening to this podcast <laughs> as they haven't watched okay. the movie yet. So anyway, you know, Mikey's been down on his luck the whole time and then he gets to this bar. He has enough guts to go over and ask Heather Graham to dance or actually to, he, to talk. She asks him to dance. Mm -hmm. um, and they kind of figure out that they click, that they're very similar. They have this amazing dance, um, which is... Literally, the scene from when he approaches Heather Graham to the end of the movie is where Vince Vaughn, Vince Vaughn's good through the whole thing, mm -hmm. but I was, I've seen this movie so many times and I laugh out loud every single time because basically Trent and Sue, while Mikey is, is talking to Heather Graham, they get really drunk. Yes. They're getting hammered. And there's a lot of girls kind of coming and going from their table and Vince Vaughn is just doing Vince Vaughn. And do you have a clip? I do. Oh my God. It's so, so good. So there's a girl next to Sue <laughs> that I'm sure Sue has hooked up with. And has not been called. And has not been calling. And this is what's funny. Trent, Vince Vaughn, <laughs> we're, we're sitting here talking about how good of a friend he is. And this is, he's not. And this is one of those like guy rules. Like if you can screw with one of your buddies, you will. And this is what he does. I don't know. I, I called you Monday. You called me? Well, who did you talk to? I was home Monday. It surprised me that you've never mentioned her before. All the times we've hung you out. you never even mentioned me? Very pretty girl. I've totally mentioned her Totally I'm sorry, maybe I don't know. I'm like, how are you doing? Really you know what's funny? Is when we when we played when we played football that day, I don't remember you ever leaving long enough to make a phone call to anybody. This is what happened. I, she's a nice girl. <laughs> 
Oh, the, tea. The best. See, and that is something guys would do to each other. Like he's trying to lie to this girl yeah. and be like, I called you. And during the game, I took off and I tried and called you. And he's like, um. I don't remember that. We knew, you never left for long enough to make a phone call. And then he wants to be like, and then it, there's a scene after that where Sue actually says to him, you're hurting feelings mm-hmm, here. Mm-hmm. Whereas, but Trent is pretending like he's helping the girl. Yeah. He's like, listen, she's a nice girl. Yeah. And that girl never leaves that table, oh, by the yeah. way. She's there the whole time. She's, uh, she's clingy. She's lit. She, yeah. She even needs with, to stand up and walk away. Yes. She should have stood up and walked away right when he was lying about calling her. But again, this is another thing, Todd. I can view this movie because those girls are my age, right? Mm-hmm. Now, <clears throat> through the eyes of a 47 year old. And don't we all have dreams of what we would have done differently? Sure. Like, I, you know, my friend Laura and I always talk about college and times when like a guy just said something so inappropriate or they were cheating on you and you knew it or whatever. And we just took it. Mm-hmm. Like you kind of just like, oh, you know, you were just so worried about whatever you were worried about. You were Impact immature. or you'll get ostracized. Exactly. Or, or whatever. Or I won't have anything to do tonight. Yeah. Or I like this guy. Or if I just stick around long enough, he'll get to know me. Yeah. There was so much naivete. Yeah. And you can, I can look at those girls and judge her for mm-hmm. sitting in that booth all mm-hmm. night, you know, in this movie. But the truth was, I think I've probably done that of before. Of course. You yes. know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. And so a 47-year-old woman who's been married to you for mm-hmm. what we've been married now, 17 years. Mm-hmm. So I can easily be like, I would never do that. Yeah. Of course we did. Yeah. And e- and the guys too, like Mikey, he's a perfect example of he's like, you know, a moping around because of this girl. Well, what's, what's funny is Mikey is actually the sensible person in this he movie. Is. Like Trent is such a dick. He is. Uh, to certain people yeah. and he's just embarrassed and, and Mikey's just embarrassed. He like, he's the consciousness of he the is. viewer. So anyway. Well, and they demonstrate that in one of the scenes that doesn't, it, it it's not a good scene anymore mm-hmm. um, because it's so inappropriate politically correctedness issues yeah. right now is when they are playing hockey and the guy knocks on the door mm-hmm. with the food. Yeah. And I'm not even going to say everything that, that, you know, Trent says, but Mikey's opening the door, getting the food from the guy. And the guy's this really sweet guy. Mm-hmm. And Vince is yelling all this stuff. Wildly inappropriate things. Wildly inappropriate racist things. Yeah. And, um, and Mikey's kind of like, I'm sorry. Yeah. Like he's, like you said, he's like the conscious, like when you're watching the movie, you're supposed to laugh. But again, now that we're in the time that we're in it's mm. just that wouldn't be in a movie right now yeah you know which happens some things don't age very well um so the original script ended you know so there's that part where um it's the next day and finally michelle calls the ex-girlfriend yes and uh he answers and he's talking and he's like why'd you call or whatever and then there's call waiting right and She's as he's like switching over, she says, she says I, love, I love you, and he doesn't even hear that, and they switch over. So, the original script was supposed to end with that exact moment. Um, and then there's supposed to be a helicopter shot, and, and then the director's like, That's not, it's not enough, it's not the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. The end, so from the point that John Favreau's character starts dancing with Heather Graham, although you don't know it. The script has been flipped on its head. Completely. Because Trent embarrasses himself at a shop later that night, at a restaurant, at a restaurant. later that night. <laughs> you were great tonight. <laughs> <laughs> there she is, the wonderful lady. Right? Personality plus all the time. Every time I come in here. Nothing but smiles for me. Whatever. I'm ready to eat. Here it is. 
Dinner at the Apollo. Me and you. See that? He's being funny. Whatever. Whatever. I don't have to be liked to everyone. Some people don't like me. I don't like certain people. Darling, I think everything looks absolutely wonderful tonight. Ow! What the hell are you kicking me for? Fine, I'll ask her. You want me to ask her, ma'am? Where do the high school girls hang out around here? You know? That's such a great line. You want me to ask her? Fine, I'll ask her. Well, and as they go on, yeah. Trent and Sue are still trying to give Mikey advice yeah. about you need to call her or you could have hit it yeah. if you didn't have to take us home. Yeah. And Mikey actually says, I got it. And then they like sit back and like, I can't believe because, the you know, Mikey is the opposite of confidence. Yes. And now he's acting confident. Yes. And he does have, have the, he, his, the way his John Favreau acts. He has his aura of confidence, whereas in the beginning, he's just frazzled. And then the next morning, T is all hung over. And John Favreau, who drove... By the way, the one thing that I didn't understand about this movie yeah. is everybody's driving drunk oh everywhere. Driving drunk, driving their own cars, and constantly finding parking spots. Yeah. Like, I don't know what LA's like. I've only visited. I've never lived sure. there. But if it's anything like Chicago, you're not finding parking spots. Right. And they're fine. Like, these... In, and not only that, Todd, but a total throwback from the 90s is they're all putting clubs on their car. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the club? I never had one, but I remember the commercial. I don't know if I had one, but my room roommates had one. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny because you would sometimes be, get into a bar, get into a party and be like, I forgot to put my club on my car as yeah. if that meant someone was going to steal it. But that was a good, mm-hmm. like, talk about a moment in time right. when something was being sold on, um, what is it called? When something sold on TV, an infomercial, yeah. like everybody was buying the club. Right. So yeah, but from what I understand from your sister, cause she lived in LA mm-hmm. is that that's, that's how it was did. done. Cause yeah. everybody lived in well, different places. And it's places. such an LA movie, like John Favreau at, um, I think towards the end, he's in his apartment. He's got an In-N-Out Burger shirt on. And you pointed that out to me when we watched it together much later, like in 2000. Yeah. And you said, that's my favorite place, mm-hmm. In-N-Out Burger. And I had never heard of it at that point. Right. I didn't even know, even going to California before, I had never eaten at an In-N-Out mm, Burger. I miss In-N-Out. Do you? I do. Oh, my God. It's so good. And I double, liked Double, double animal style. That's the way to do it, sweetie. I know. And I have since had it several times um, but I don't love it the way you do. No, well, I haven't had it in a long time. Every time I go to Vegas, I would stop there, but now I haven't eaten meat in about two years plus. Um, I know. No in and out burgers happening right now. Pescatarian over here. So I one more thing about that scene <clears throat> sure. with Trent, because you're right. First of all, the that whole scene is so funny. He and Sue are like, oh my gosh, and then he does the you're groans up and groans up and groans up, and he gives the guy behind him his food, which is, it's just the whole five minutes. You mean five scene, minutes. sweetie? <laughs> He has it under control. I guess we don't have to worry about him anymore. Our little baby's all grows up. You know what? Shut up. Come on. No, no. Our little baby's all grows up. You have to. Gee, why do you have to? (laughs) I'm not even hungry. I couldn't touch it. Why do you have to? A major production every time we go out. So now he's going to stand on the table. You know what? Oh, God. Our little boy all grows up tonight. You know what, big boy? You're grown up. You're grown up. Yeah, I did that. Is this a fucking production for you? Because you're grown up and you're grown up and you're grown up. I'm the asshole in the boss place, right? I'm the asshole. Yes, he is. Um, That scene is never not funny to no, me. I know. It's so bad He's and such wrong, a dick. <laughs> But so funny. funny like, you know, you want to be at the table with them. I They're know. embarrassed that they are, but they also think he's hilarious. And he's the one. So this is interesting because I know my girls have this. Todd and I have three daughters, 16, 14 and 11. 
And I know now the language is when you go out or you don't go out or you see something on social media, you have FOMO, you know, fear yeah. of missing out, right? Um, I don't really have much of that anymore. But way back when. What do you have? This, you have Lomo? I have Jomo. Jomo. Joy, of, joy, of, missing joy of missing out. out. <laughs> I'm so fine. I'll see like a party and I'll be like, I was home. <laughs> I had my tea. Anyway, um, but I, the at that time, Trent was the kind of guy that if he was out, mm -hmm. you know that there's going to be a story. Sure. It's kind of like in Friends. Remember when Gandalf comes into town? Yeah. And you never get to meet Gandalf. Right. But they like get passports yeah. and they get like, you know, they're so excited, you know, when Chandler and Ross are like, Gandalf is coming into town. Like there's certain people you go out with who there's going to be a story. And if you weren't there, you missed out on it. Yep. So, but going back to them, the the last scene, that's actually a one of the quotes that I think is probably the best from the movie that I wrote down is when Mikey says to Trent, because he's saying that he he clicked over on Michelle mm -hmm. to talk to Lorraine. Yeah. And Trent can't believe it. Yeah. He's like, You're saying that you, you know, you you oh. I want to take the other call. But you say when you called her back. I didn't. Can call back. No. Why not, Mike? Didn't occur to me. So when he says that, and then it's like Mikey has this moment, this yeah. epiphany, this self-awareness. It's a huge realization. And he says, um, it's so simple. Mm -hmm. It hit me like a ton of bricks coming over here. And then right when he's about to tell us, mm -hmm. Trent thinks a girl is flirting with him mm -hmm. and he diverts you. And so what you're able to see in that scene is how Trent is kind of clueless yeah. and missing the bigger picture mm -hmm. and Mikey. And as we know how it ends, it doesn't end well for Trent. Cause All they're, right. you know, man, I didn't understand it either. It's all so hard. Then it hit me on the way over here, you know, like a ton of bricks. It's just so simple. When you do, dude, wait a second. I'm getting vibe like in a really weird. So then there's this woman on the other side of the restaurant and uh, Trent thinks that she is hitting on him. Hitting on him. And really she's just What do you think things. Mikey was about to say? Well, you're not that's the whole genius of it is it's kind of like any movie where they leave something open ended. Like you when, have to figure it out. Kind of like when Gump, uh Forrest Gump, they pulled the plug Absolutely. so you couldn't hear what he had to say. Absolutely. That's all I got to say about that. Yeah. Um and movies do that do that well where you are forced to what do you think mm -hmm. the bigger message is yeah. you know what hits you like a ton of bricks and it's different depending on your own personal experience it's like pulp fiction when you don't know what's in the brief briefcase and speaking of pulp fiction mm -hmm. there's a lot there is because something that a lot of people talk about with this movie is it, this is a movie for people who love movies yeah. because they reference reservoir dogs they rest reference scorsese mm -hmm. they they're like there's a Jaws poster on the wall. Actually, another interesting thing about Vince Vaughn is they wanted to use the theme from Jaws mm. in this movie, and they did, the part where he's going over to get, they call her Groucho, yeah. the girl with the cigar. Right. Remember, he's walking over there, and as she's talking to him, she's a little extra, yeah. as our kids would say. Right. She's quite extra. And, he, and so the Jaws theme is playing, mm -hmm. and... When you are going to use music like that, you're obviously going to pay for it, but someone has to say it's okay. Like yeah. it, it's 
we don't feel like they're taking advantage of the song or using it in a bad way. So Steven Spielberg had to watch that scene. Oh, really? To say it was okay that they use that music because that's his music. Yeah, he's got right. And that's it. when he saw Vince Vaughn for the first time. Oh, no kidding. And he asked him to be in the Jurassic Park movie. Oh, my God. So isn't it interesting, that small moment... And it gave you know, Vince Vaughn a path towards Steven Spielberg, which isn't a bad path to be on. No, not a bad way to get your career mm-hmm. rolling. Um, so anyway, it's I think it's very touching. And at the end, you really realize that Mikey, it, like you said, the roles have reversed. Yeah. Um, so what do you think happens to these characters? If there's never going to be a swingers too, but if there were. Who do you think? Who do you think would be doing all right? Who would? I I don't know that Mike Mikey and Lorraine necessarily get married, but they are serial monogamous. Yeah, meaning she talks about how she'd been in a relationship forever that she missed. He had been in a relationship forever that he missed, and they were similar people. Mm-hmm. Kind of silly. What's the word? Um, kind of geeky in yeah. a way. They they had similar sensibilities yeah. and I think they stayed together. Well, and you can kind of selfishly see what happened, even though these are fake people, but yeah. it was based on real people and yeah. Vince Vaughn and John Favreau were friends and they still are. They've obviously uh, are doing a million different things from one another, but they've done a, a bunch of different stuff together as well. Yeah, they have. So they remain friends. So I'm willing to bet that Mike and T you know, all have kids and they hang out with each other whenever they can when they're not driving their kids to soccer practice. You know, I just read something because Marvel is, you know, obviously so big right now that people say without swingers, there'd be no Marvel. How? Because John Favreau, Favreau, do you say Favreau or Favreau? I say Favreau. I don't know if that's right or not. I don't either. And then the guy on Pod Saves America, um, is he John Favreau or John Favreau? I don't know. They have the exact, exact same, same name. name. That would suck. But anyway, John Favreau, um, he is. He directed Iron Man one. Mm-hmm. He directed Iron Man two. He's obviously a character, Happy, um, and there with. Um, out that, without that being the hit that it was. Yeah, that was the foundation for the next 20 movies. And having Robert Downey Jr. be in it, which was a whole huge thing yeah. that John Favreau played a role in, that Marvel wouldn't have taken off the way it did. Possible. You know, it's and crazy. then think about Will Ferrell, like with Elf, like mm-hmm. that's John Favreau's movie. You know, he directed that movie and that made Will Ferrell who right. he is. I mean, one of the many things. Right. Um, so it's interesting how ripple effects, you know, if swingers hadn't been made. And then just think about Vince Vaughn. There's so much we wouldn't have. I know. You know, we just, I would love to do Wedding Crashers sometime on this show, but I don't know if we will. Maybe. It's do you have any little... ideas about the next one, by the way? Um... I do have some ideas. Don't hold us to this, but let's just have this conversation right now. Well, let's have this conversation about whether or not we want to do a new movie or an old movie again. Well, this is from 1996, so I feel like we should do one more recent. Uh, Let's do eighth grade. Oh, okay. Yeah. Eighth grade. And maybe people listening to this have not seen eighth grade because it's a bit of an indie classic or not classic, an indie film right now, but it is on Netflix. Mm -hmm. So you can watch it. So if you want to watch eighth grade before you listen to our next podcast, um, eighth grade is almost filmed like a documentary. It's so well done by a director named Bo Burnham. And Mm -hmm. he's a comedian that you probably all know. Um, it's such a good movie. LeBron James. LeBron James. Are you my mom? Are you my mom? <laughs> um, any last minute takes there, sweetie? Just that it was fun to do this movie with you because this movie was a big piece of our 20s, you and I. For sure. So this was kind of a special movie to us. Um, and, you know, we've grown up with these actors and it's been fun. 
Um, I love this movie. I'm glad that they made it. Um, and uh, take a listen to Zen Parenting Radio, I guess. Yeah. If you like pop culturing, you'll love Zen Parenting Radio. That's right. All right, guys. See you next week. Adios. <laughs>